You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, part of the Rivals.com network, representing CanesCounty.com. Make sure you subscribe to canescounty.com for free. Use the promo code MIAMI30. And also make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all platforms, as well as subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Today, this is our series, Scouting the Opponent. And this week, Miami will host Bethune-Cookman this week. And today, I'm joined by Chris Vanell, who writes for the Daytona Beach News Journal. And thank you for joining me today, Chris. Absolutely, Marcus. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And Chris covers the team. He also covers high school football. So we'll get into a little of both on this podcast. Um, But first off, I kind of wanted to start with, you know, just the controversy that was going on with with uh, Bethune and one of Miami's famed alums and Ed Reed. Uh, this, you know, this past offseason, um, he took the job and then, you know, mysteriously, I guess, left the job. Um, you know, from your perspective, you've been covering the team for for over a year. Um, what, from your perspective, just kind of what happened with Ed Reed and that whole coaching situation? Yeah, it, it was kind of just a, a weird situation, like you said. Uh, Terry Sims was the former coach at Bethune-Cookman. He went 2-9 and nine his last two years there, their first two seasons in the SWAC conference. And uh, so they let him go and took about a month. And it was, you know, typically coach leaves and you have a new coach within, I don't know, two weeks. You know, the current day landscape of college football where everyone's rushing around to get recruits and whatever. Well, Bethune-Cookman took, you know, three weeks goes by four weeks goes by the end of December comes around. And finally they announced that they've landed this big fish. They've got Ed Reed. Uh, and the term they used was they had an agreement in principle agreement mm-hmm. in principle. And so they announced that January starts and uh, Ed Reed arrives in Daytona beach and uh, you know, starts kind of meeting with the team or organizing different uh, you know, they were cleaning up around campus and that sort of thing. And all the while, they still have not finalized the contract details. They're still, you know, it's pretty much there. They've agreed this is going to happen, but they've got to dot the uh, the I's and cross the T's. And uh, then Ed Reed goes on social media and he criticizes the university and, right. uh, you know, talks about some of the problems that he's noticed. He called the, the administrators. He said they had broken mentalities. Um, and the university just didn't take too kind of that. And the, they said, you know, Ed, we, we, we can't be doing this. Um, and so they pretty much said, we're not going to finalize that contract. And yeah. that was maybe three weeks after they had initially announced the deal. And, uh, so they, Ed Reed was out and he kind of, you know, publicly campaigned to get his job back. Um, the players at BCU, everyone that I talked to at least kind of supported Ed Reed in that there was protests on campus, not necessarily about Ed Reed, not getting, uh, officially hired, but, uh, just about some of the things that he brought up, you know, some conditions on campus uh, right. after the hurricanes last year and, and just some different things that they had noticed. And uh, so he kind of affected some change in a short time there. There were some things that they cleaned up. Uh, and then about two weeks after 
after that, they hired Raymond Woody, who's been a Willie Taggart disciple. This is his first season as, a, as head coach, uh, and he's actually a Bethune-Cookman alum. So they kind of went with a, a less flashy route there. Still someone who you know the, the fan base can get behind, uh, especially with him being an alum. But they were really hoping that Ed Reed was kind of that guy to uh, do what Deion Sanders really did at Jackson State, bring some headlines and bring some money and some, some uh, fans and, and just some success back to the program. Yeah, absolutely. An odd situation, to say the least, that, you know, it made headlines nationally and, of course, it made headlines down here in South Florida. So glad to hear that Bethune has cleaned up some things and, and things are kind of headed in the right direction. But, yeah, you alluded to Coach Coach Woody getting, getting the job. This is a guy, like you said, from the Taggart tree, but also coached with Mario Cristobal out at Oregon. So they, they are familiar with each other. What are your impressions of him so far? You know, he's he's kind of a no-nonsense guy. He came in and, and immediately he started saying, hey, we're going to put all this offseason behind us, you know, the tumultuous kind of Ed Reed situation. Uh, that's over. And the two and nine seasons, those are over. You know, those are over and done with. Brought in a whole new staff. He brought in, uh, I believe the, the final no- number was something like 51 new players with transfers in the incoming freshman class coming in just since the spring game. Um, so that 70 to 13 loss that Bethune Cookman had to Miami last year, uh, if Miami fans remember that Bethune Cookman or any any players from that team, uh, they're probably gone because it's just a, a very different looking Bethune Cookman team. Uh, but yeah, he, he's been preaching kind of accountability and unity. Uh, the, his big thing was. Uh, when they got to fall camp this year, uh, he said that everyone who wears a single-digit jersey number, those are all up for grabs. No one's locked in, and you're going to have to compete for it. You're going to have to earn it. Now, some of the guys, their best players who were wearing, you know, number one or number five or six, what have you, last year, they did earn those numbers back right away. But, um, yeah, everyone else, it was it was up for competition, and it led to, uh, you know, Guys like quarterbacks wearing number 39 in practice and (laughs) things like that. So just kind of a a unique thing there. But um, he's really trying to to promote unity and um, kind of competition. And and I'm sure we'll get into their quarterback situation, but that's kind of the epitome of what he wants is just a, a, quote, battle, you know, every day in practice and, and before games. Sounds very similar to what's going down here in Miami. Um, the Hurricanes coaching staff is really encouraging competition and it's really showing on the field. And I'm sure it would also show on the field for Bethune this season. But uh, let's talk about what you've seen on the field so far from the Wildcats. Uh, They, you know, started out, um, you know, with a tough loss uh, to Memphis uh, 56 to 14, but, you know, they bounced back pretty strongly against Savannah state, uh, big difference in competition between the two schools. So obviously a big difference in the two scores for, for week one and two. Uh, but as far as the offense is concerned, what, what should Miami expect from this Wildcat offense? You know, it, it's funny you ask that because it kind of depends. And I know that's not a great answer, but uh, they've played two quarterbacks in each of their first two games. Uh, Walter Simmons III has been their starter in the first two games. He played almost that entire Memphis uh, season opener and uh, wasn't very effective. But he's a guy who really has uh, dual threat capability. They run a lot of RPO, a lot of option stuff with him. 
Uh, everything's out of the shotgun, uh, and, and they're more run-heavy than pass-heavy. And then uh, in the fourth quarter against Memphis and then in the second quarter last week, uh, they put in Luke Sprague, who's a uh, one, he was one of the top JUCO quarterbacks in the country last year at Nassau Community College. Uh, he's a brand-new transfer in, and um, he's, not as, he's really not a threat at all with his legs. He's pretty stationary, but he's come in in both those ballgames and shown really good accuracy and really good you know, field perception, field awareness. And so he's been really effective, and he was the guy who finished the game, played the last three quarters last week. Um, and we asked you know, Coach Woody after the game, uh, if the job was his, and he said, uh, not so fast. You know, he said that it's still going to be a battle and that uh, both those guys know that, you know, whoever shines the most in practice and is playing the best, they're going to play. And you you, you got to earn it. And then once you earn it, you got to keep it. Uh, Raymond Woody's been big on that too, is not only earning your spot, but then keeping your spot. Because uh, one of the things he keeps telling uh, his team is that, People want my job. People are coming after my job, and I'm going to recruit guys to come after your job. That's the way. That's the way uh, we want it to be. So, kind of a different looking offense in terms of uh, Sprague takes away your quarterback's legs a little bit. Um, yeah. I would imagine that he he was just so much more effective uh, against Savannah State that I would imagine you'll probably see more of him than you see Walter Simmons the uh, third come this Thursday. But um, I don't. I don't completely know to be honest with you. <laughs> I guess we'll find out on Thursday night, um, you know, but it's, it seems like they possibly could use two quarterbacks on Thursday. You think? Yeah, I, I would not be shocked at all since that's what they've done in the first two games. If, if one guy's got the hot hand, um, if the starter doesn't have it, then I wouldn't be shocked if, if they go to the other guy and uh, see what he's got. And plus, it's just a good experience. You know, I I don't think you can expect if you're Bethune Cookman to go down to Miami and pull an upset. You know, uh, uh, I, I think it's one of those experiences where it's just a good experience to to see competition of that level, to play on that field in front of those fans and against that elite talent. Um, that maybe you can kind of bring some of that with you as they go through their swag season that starts here in a couple of weeks. Sure. Uh, last year, Miami did have some difficulty stopping the the running quarterback for, from Bethune, so. I would imagine that they would probably at least try to play a Walter Simmons the third um, in comparison to Luke Sprague. But let's talk about Sprague. I mean, he did take over the job in that game. What have you seen from him and what has impressed you uh, from Sprague thus far? Like I said, it, it's really his accuracy and his awareness. He gets the ball out pretty quickly. He didn't take a sack last week, whereas I believe Walter Simmons the third took two sacks in, in just the first quarter last week, and and, and he didn't turn the ball over. And uh, Simmons did uh, in that first quarter. That's what ultimately got him benched is he threw an interception on his last throw uh, in that first quarter against Savannah State. So they just they like his decision-making. He's quick. He's accurate. He knows where he's going with the football. And that's all things he showed, like I said, at Nassau Community College last year. He's just not a dual-threat guy. So they're, they've got a couple of running backs that they use that they'll try to complement uh, Sprague and, and, and Simmons with. Um, sure. But, uh, yeah, they, they, they really like him throwing the football. And they seem just more willing to throw the football with him in the game. Gotcha. And speaking of throwing the football or – uh, the receivers or, or, or pass catchers or playmakers that the Wildcats have, which players should Miami be concerned with going into Thursday night's game? 
there's there's a couple of them that they really like. Uh, Davino Ellington led the team in catches last week with six. Uh, but Dakari Allen Johnson is their other guy that they really like at receiver. He had two touchdowns last week. And so uh, those are the two guys that all summer long, that's who they talked about. That's who they really liked, you know, even going back to the spring. And then in the running in, in the backfield at running back, you'll see a couple of different guys. There's a uh, Javensley Basil, who was a Washington state transfer, who's originally from the Naples area. Uh, so he transferred back to be closer to home and, uh, he had two touchdowns on his first two carries last week. And he's he's kind of a guy that uh, they used more as the game went on. And uh, you can kind of see that he's got it a little bit. Like he's been there. He's played at Washington State on a, on a higher level uh, right. and just, just has that experience. And then the other two guys that they'll run out there are Terry Lindsey and uh, Jimmy Robinson. And uh, both of those guys have a little bit of experience. Robinson was kind of their backup last year. Uh, he's one of the holdovers from from that team. Um, but those are those are kind of their main playmakers at this point. It sounds like uh, that guy from Washington State may have played with Francisco Malagoa uh, last season, and I'm pretty sure they'll they'll have a chat or two on the field. Um, but uh, so we talked about the playmakers on offense and. Uh, also kind of want to know what's going on with this defense. And, you know, I'm sure there are some guys that are standing out to you. If you could just expand on, on those guys and what kind of skill sets they bring. Sure. And this is Raymond Woody's specialty. He, this is his side of the ball. He played, uh, you know, linebacker and defensive back in college and, um, you know, has, has really spent most of his time uh, in the coaching ranks on the defensive side of the ball, coaching linebackers or uh, that sort of thing. And so, um, Dearest Thomas, uh, led the team in tackles last week with nine. He had a sack and two tackles for loss as well. Jalen Christian, uh, had a sack and, and two tackles for loss last week. But the two guys that kind of really stand out to me, uh, are Eddie Walls, who's a defensive lineman and, uh, Omari Hill Robinson. Hill Robinson was, was one of their two all conference players, you know, coming into the season. Uh, and the other one was Darnell Dees who plays a little bit of defensive back but he's really just a return guy. So uh, Hill Robinson's kind of their their leader on defense. He's been around a while. He's had a lot of success. He's their lockdown corner uh, and, and has really been that over the past two years is just a lockdown number one corner. Um, and then uh, Eddie Walls was kind of that riser throughout spring and summer that uh, Raymond Woody got here and said, oh, this guy's this is going to be one of our guys. Uh, he had a couple of sacks last year, but He's already off to a really good start this year. They really like his burst. He's disruptive uh, off the edge, and, and you can kind of move him around a little bit if you want to if you want to kick him inside or do different things with him as well. So uh, Eddie Walls and and Omari Hill Robinson are kind of the two that I will keep an eye on if if you're a Hurricane fan. Omari Hill Robinson is down is from down here, yeah, uh, Fort Lauderdale, uh, very close to actually where where I live here in Fort Lauderdale uh, at Dillard. So uh, I'm sure uh, there there's some players on, on our side of the ball that are familiar with him. Uh, we've got a ton of DBs that are from the area. So I also did want to talk to you a little bit of high school football and recruiting. Uh, Chris Vanell, once again, joining me from the Daytona Beach News Journal, also covers high school football in the Daytona area. Miami had a couple of guys, local guys from your area, Chris, uh, visit Miami and in LJ McCray and Xavier Mincy. 
Uh, these are two guys that Miami is extremely high on and would love to add them to the 2024 recruiting class. You've seen them plenty, I'm sure, on the high school gridiron on Friday nights. What have you seen from first LJ McCray? You know how they, they just say that some guys look a little bit different or look like grown men a lot earlier than other people? This guy's one of them. He's he's every bit of five foot or, or six foot five, six foot six, 250, 260 pounds. Uh, he's going to be an edge rusher in college. He's explosive. He's fast. He, he kind of manhandles high school offensive linemen at this point while also being quicker than them, which is just kind of a dangerous combination if you're going against him. Um, but he's really exploded the, the, the first couple of weeks and, uh, you know, been among the, the leaders in the area in, in tackles for loss and, and sacks. And uh, he's really he's really focusing on defensive end for the first time ever. Uh, the last couple of years, he's also played tight end uh, at Mainland and Daytona Beach and uh, been really good at doing it. Like we, we did kind of a preseason ranking for each position, the top three players at each position. He made the list, of course, as a defensive lineman, but he also made our tight end list because uh, he, he's so explosive. And um, he's still playing a little bit of tight end this year, but he's not practicing there. He's exclusively practicing as a defensive end for the first time because uh, that's where colleges want to see him. And that's where he, he projects. He's just so big. He's, he's too fast. And uh, he's exactly the kind of guy you want if you're Miami on the edge. Awesome. Uh, Darnell D. I do want to point out all over from the area. He's out of uh, Ely, Pompano Beach down here. So two, two of the top defensive players for Bethune hail here down in South Florida. But uh, tell me a little about Xavier Mency. This is a kid who who was trending towards Florida for a while. Uh, and, you know, there's some thoughts about even Georgia being in the mix. But – Miami has uh, kind of put as of late. So interested to hear, you know, what you've seen from him so far on the high school gridiron. You know, in high school, he pretty much takes half your field and eliminates the, the, the opponent's passing offense. He's another lockdown corner who, um, you know, he's got good speed. He's got just kind of good natural instincts uh, with enough size there also to complement it. And, um, you know, he, he's another guy where uh, he's got a, several schools who are who are wanting him. He's very highly recruited, like L.J. McRae is, and has several SEC schools in on him, or, or Big Ten schools who are interested, that sort of thing. But um, he's another guy who, who's really highly rated as a corner and uh, projects to be really good. And that I've seen kind of projections that maybe he moves to safety at the next level, uh, but he can do either, and Nemo well. move around a little bit. Yeah, that's what I've heard of well. I've also heard that he could change to a linebacker position as well. Um, you know, he just has the size and the speed and the strength to do that. Uh, where, exactly. where, where do you... Awesome. Yeah. And where, where do you see him kind of as his best position? You know, I, I just haven't seen him too much outside of corner. He's really impressed me there. But I do see where, where people would say, hey, he's probably better as a safety um, just because he does uh, can do a lot of different things with his size and speed combo. And like I just say, he, he tackles really well. And so um, I can see him being used there a little bit more too at the next level. Awesome. Awesome. Lastly, I hate to put you on the spot. I, I do this with every 
person I bring on for this segment or, or this uh, podcast uh, this week where we, we at Kings County scout the opponent. But um, how do you think this game turned out on, on Thursday as far as the, the score is concerned? And just how do you think it kind of plays out on the field? I think it's it's probably similar to Bethune Cookman's week one matchup against Memphis. I wouldn't be surprised if you see, you know, uh, a 56 14 type of final um, with kind of the, the new pieces and still a little bit of uncertainty at quarterback. I don't know that Bethune Cookman's going to be able to move the ball really well uh, on offense. And uh, as you saw last week with Tyler Van Dyke, you know, putting up huge numbers against Texas AM. If he can do that against Texas AM, uh, that's a little bit of a talent disparity between them and, and Bethune-Cookman. And so uh, I don't think he'll have much of an issue moving the ball there either. So it'll be good experience for Bethune-Cookman. Uh, you know, again, like we saw last year, it's it's something that they can kind of build on. Or uh, it's just a good experience for these players who many of them are from the state of Florida. And, and I'm sure some of them grew up rooting for Miami too. So uh, kind of a cool experience for them and uh, something that they can build on and and kind of uh, compare themselves against as they go forward. Absolutely, totally agree. I mean, last year this game ended up a 70-13 final, and I think Miami has improved tremendously from that team. So I expect kind of a similar result here. And, you know, in the second half, uh, I'm sure um, if the game is, is out of hand at that point, then we'll see a lot of the young guys, and I would expect – Bethune to to score some points um, in that second half. That's Chris Vanell, writer for Daytona Beach News Journal. Great stuff from you. I really appreciate you coming on with me today, and hopefully we'll see see each other at the at the game and maybe sometime again in the future. Marcus, thank you so much. This has been a blast, and yeah, anytime uh, anytime I can be of help, you just yell. I appreciate that. Once again, this is the Storm Tracker Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to canescounty.com for free. Use the promo code Miami30. Also, subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms, as well as subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Until the next episode.